What if I told you that the secret to mind-blowing, earth-shattering sex has nothing to do with your body and everything to do with your mind? That it's to develop a new form of intelligence, to become smarter about sex, and get to know yourself fully as a unique sexual being? Well, it's true. And that's why I developed a new paradigm to help you understand who you are sexually from a deeper and more holistic perspective, sex IQ. Just as the concept of emotional intelligence, EQ, helped us understand that attributes such as empathy and emotional regulation account for a unique form of intelligence, sex IQ teaches us that being a good lover to ourselves and others is its own type of intelligence, too. Understanding your sex IQ will impact every area of your life, ushering in a new way of thinking about sex and intimate relationships. By evolving your sex IQ, you'll be able to easily tune into what's happening in your own body and why, and really understand and be intentional about your own sex life. As a result, you will become more confident and able to experience more pleasure. Your sex IQ is not a score of how much you know about sex or how good you are in bed. It's not really a score at all. It's a way of comprehending where you are sexually at any given time and tracking how it changes over the course of your lifetime. Along the way, you will become a better lover both to yourself and others. I developed this paradigm after speaking and working with thousands of people over the years and realizing that most of them came to me looking for a quick fix. They want me to tell them why their sex drive is low, why they can't have an orgasm or maintain an erection, how to ask their partners to participate in a certain kink or fantasy. They're happy to have gotten the questions out of their mouths and want me to recommend a supplement for their libido, a vibrator for orgasms, a pill for erections, or a script to talk to their partner. Then they're ready to move on. I don't blame these people at all. We're not taught to explore our sexuality, and we see no healthy models of this in our culture. And those quick fixes can work, but they often just act as band-aids that temporarily ease the symptoms while masking the root of the problem. For example, you might buy a vibrator that I recommend and start having more orgasms. Great! But still struggle to understand what you need to orgasm in the presence of a partner. Getting to the root of any issue related to sex almost always requires more than a quick fix. That's because most of the time, A question or issue around sex is about so much more than just sex. The solutions aren't just mechanical. They're usually psychological, emotional, and physical in nature. As a result, two people could ask me the same exact question, but the answer I give each of them will be completely different based on a unique combination of personal factors. It's the same with almost any type of complex personal issue. Consider anxiety, for example. Everyone experiences some level of anxiety at some point, but the causes and underlying issues vary from person to person, and therefore, the path to overcoming the anxiety will also be different. Whether it's work stress, emotional dysregulation, trauma, or any kind of big life changes, digging deeper to understand the roots of our anxiety is the key to treating it. This is why some may find relief from meditation, whereas others need to limit caffeine or end a toxic relationship. It's very much the same when it comes to sex. But until now, we haven't had a way of talking about or comprehending this. There's no metric for where you are sexually, no clear path to understanding or making sense of what you need to do to fully address any sexual issues that arise. 
If you're rolling your eyes right now because you picked up this book to learn a fun new sex position or how to make your partner orgasm, I promise we'll get to all that. But it's so important to start here first. Even with all the best sex tips in the world, which of course I have, until you really know who you are when it comes to sex and why, you'll never discover your true pleasure potential. Even more important, Googling questions about sex can be extremely limiting or even harmful. When we rely on the inaccurate and incomplete information that's out there, we often come to believe common myths around sex, that our sex life will be over at 50, that we're inadequate if we have a small penis, or that we're broken if we can only have an orgasm one way or have an orgasm at all. Sex IQ clarifies the misinformation and will help clear up these myths and change fixed mindsets around sex. The goal is not to reach your peak sex IQ and then check this off your list. You can't ever complete this work. It's a practice to understand where you are sexually in this moment so that you can make necessary changes to continue moving forward, evolving, and enhancing your pleasure. Growing in each of the sex IQ pillars does require sustained effort, but it also offers an ongoing reward, a present and future of more pleasure enhance intimacy, deeper connections, improved health, and more meaningful relationships, including your relationship with yourself. Your sex IQ has nothing to do with whether you're partnered or single or in an unconventional or heterosexual relationship. It also has nothing to do with using your tongue a certain way, mastering a specific position, or knowing how to locate the G-spot. When it comes to smart sex, those things just scratch the surface. To go deeper, we have to become sexually intelligent beings and bring that unique form of intelligence to all of our sexual encounters. Desire is a mental game. Before we get to the sex IQ pillars and learn how each of them affects our desire, we need to understand what desire actually is. Most likely, you're listening to this book because you want more pleasure in your life, particularly sexual pleasure. No matter where you're starting from, I can almost guarantee that it's not your genitals that are keeping you from the kind of sexual pleasure that you want. It's your brain. I like to say that our brains are our largest sexual organs. Our brains are where our desire and arousal originate, or don't. Many people don't realize that desire and arousal are two separate things, and they are both key to experiencing sexual pleasure. Desire is simply the emotion of wanting something, while arousal is a physical manifestation of mental or emotional stimulation. When you are physically aroused, your blood pressure, heart rate, breathing, and temperature all go up. If you are a vulva owner, your labia and clitoris fill with blood and become more sensitive. If you're a penis owner, your penis fills with blood, gets harder, and stands up. It's fair to say that desire happens in the mind, and arousal happens as a result in the body. So, sexual pleasure starts with desire, with wanting to have a sexual experience. There's no way around this. One of the most common questions I get from people is about why they don't feel sexual desire at the drop of the hat like they did when they were younger, or how their partners do, or how they see it happen in movies. In some cases, the lack of immediate desire can lead to guilt for not being ready to go as soon as your partner walks in the door. It can also lead to insecurities or frustrations by the partner experiencing more rapid desire. Ultimately, it can become difficult to navigate and partners can withdraw from the encounter. 
We owe a lot of this confusion to the fact that we only recently began learning about the nature of desire. In the 1960s, researchers William Masters and Virginia Johnson laid out four linear phases of the human response cycle, excitement, plateau, orgasm, and resolution. Later, Helen Kaplan Singer built on their theory, proposing that desire is what motivates sex and that you can't get aroused at all without that piece of the puzzle. More recently, Dr. Rosemary Bassan broke it down even further, suggesting that there are two different types of desire, spontaneous desire and responsive desire. Spontaneous desire is often more present in the beginning of a relationship and can fade over time, in the relationship or even as one ages. Unlike spontaneous desire, which pretty much comes automatically, responsive desire requires some kind of stimulus, i.e. arousal, in order for desire to develop. For some, the arousal pathway can be short, while others need to travel down a longer runway to get aroused. Lori Mintz, PhD and certified sex therapist, draws the distinction that receptive desire goes beyond the biological feelings of desire, horniness, and takes into account relational, social, cultural, and contextual aspects of desire. Bonding, affection, romance, and intimacy can trigger receptiveness for desire, as can dirty talk, touch, and other forms of flirtation. Unlike the spontaneous crowd who pretty much feel desire automatically, responsive types start off neutral to sex and require some kind of stimulus in order for desire to develop. It's very clear when a penis owner spontaneously gets a direction when their partner walks in the door. Vulva owners can be spontaneously turned on, but more often than not need to travel down a desire runway to get to arousal. Physical touch, affection, bonding, dirty talking, or romance can trigger their desire. Generally speaking, vulva owners are more likely to experience responsive desire, while penis owners more often experience spontaneous desire. Sometimes, desire is more inward or self-focused. Maybe you want to put on a favorite pair of underwear that makes you feel really sexy, read some erotica, or think about the last time you were really turned on. Remember that desire doesn't always have to be about having sex with a partner. You can feel desire by yourself. You are a sexual being who deserves to be ready for sexual pleasure, regardless of your relationship status. While the previous is true for the majority of the population, it is important to note that some people are asexual, meaning they do not typically experience sexual arousal. Now that you understand desire and arousal, let's start working through the sex IQ pillars to get smarter about sex. Pillar number one, embodiment. Can you think of a time when you allowed your mind to override a physical urge? Maybe you felt hungry at noon but pushed through and focused on work, and all of a sudden it was 4 o'clock and you still hadn't eaten. Or have you ever felt that you needed to go to the bathroom, but your mind kept you occupied until you could barely make it without having an accident? Our bodies are always trying to tell us things, like whether we're in pain and why, or if a certain movement brings up a memory and why, or if we really want and need to be touched like this or like that and why. Unfortunately, we too often ignore these cues. Even worse, this is considered normal in our culture. We place value on thoughts and ideas instead of our innate bodily wisdom. As a result, most of us exist primarily in our minds, feeling very disconnected from our bodies. 
Even recently, as we have learned more about the mind-body connection, we still refer to it as a connection and not in a holistic way. In reality, the mind and body aren't separate and they aren't merely connected. They're parts of the same whole. Becoming embodied means that you are developing a new kind of awareness of your body that allows you to pick up on its cues. Instead of feeling like a brain that's walking around inside of a body, your brain and body become integrated, maintaining a constant two-way conversation. In essence, we need to remind our brains to listen to our bodies. This is an essential step towards reaching your pleasure potential. The more present we are in our bodies, the more we can pay attention and tune into the fact that we are becoming aroused, that something feels good to us, or that something doesn't feel right. We simply cannot fully feel and experience pleasure if we do not know how to pick up on these subtle cues. Many of us feel that we are in our heads when we are having sex. We can barely feel what's happening in our bodies, never mind figure out whether or not we like it. We are too busy thinking instead of feeling. Our minds are filled with thoughts about what we might look and sound and smell like, all the things we have to do later, or a conversation that we had with our partner earlier that night. So there we are, naked with our partner, with the intention of feeling good, and all we can do is worry about whether we're being too loud, how our body looks at this ankle, and if our partner really wants to be having sex with us in the first place. Clearly, this leaves no room for us to fully experience our body sensations. If a certain position is painful, we just grin and bear it. We don't want to complain or we think something is wrong with us. If we feel pleasure, we don't fully experience that either. We're just going through the motions, lost in thought, or maybe just trying to get off instead of being present in our pleasure. We're doing the things that are supposed to be the most pleasurable in the world, but we're putting all kinds of pressure on ourselves to orgasm or to make our partner orgasm. Where's the room here for authentic sexual connection? When we focus on being more embodied during sex, it's a whole different ballgame. Suddenly, we're in tune with everything that our bodies are experiencing. The skin on our partner's shoulders feels so soft, so we continue touching it. It makes us shiver when they drag their fingertips along our inner thighs, and we breathe into that sensation. This attunement heightens our pleasure, not only during sex, but in every moment of our lives, in between and leading up to sexual experiences. Paying attention to our bodies is a daily practice. Now we notice that when our partner kisses us, we are starting to become aroused. Maybe we are aware of the fact that we started having sex too soon and need to slow down in order to become fully engaged and fully aroused. 